Welcome to The Slice, your bite-sized segments to inform and inspire. This is the powerful way to start your day. I'm Tara. You can find me on social media under Tara Starlet. Social media. On the social media. (laughs) Um, You you know, sometimes people say the social media. I think that's grammatically correct, but I always think you did. I think that happened after the social network. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, back to the topic of the day. Today we're talking about money. Uh, we're going to talk about money anxieties. We're going to talk about um, like emotional baggage around money and also manifestation and some really key takeaway tips that Megan is full of because she's an absolute G when it comes to the dollar. Only now, only now. <laughs> Um, Hi guys, I'm Megan Morass. Um, So I run a business. I've been running a business for seven years. So money has had a huge impact on my life. Um, I grew up in a family that didn't necessarily have, didn't have a lot of money, um, but was always supported, was always loved, but money was definitely a focus for me at home. I was an only child and, you know, I was very aware that money wasn't readily available and that had a huge emotional impact on me from a very young age. And I think your upbringing does have a huge impact on how you view money. It creates money stereotypes, it creates drivers. So often when you grow up in a certain environment, you kind of, do you ever mentally check yourself? You're like, well, if I have kids, I'm going to do it differently. I'm going to do it like this. And from a very young age, I think maybe 12, that's when I started my first ever business. Amazing. I decided that I was going to have money. And I really put a huge amount of importance on money, as in it would bring me happiness. Mm. As I've come into my 30s, only 31 guys, just saying. But as I've come into my 30s, money, I've started to earn money. And I've started to actually manifest slash have what I've been talking about for so many years. Mm. It's funny, I'm actually not happier. (laughs) (laughs) So I, it's just been very, very interesting in terms of how I approach money. And today, I'm really excited to demystify it a bit. Part of my anxiety around money is not having control of it. Mm. And over the past 20 years, I've really learned how to control. When you don't have, Tara and I were just talking about, when you don't have money, you don't spend money. Mm. And But when you have money, for some reason... Oh, it just flies away. Oh, I've got a hole in my pocket. Or not in my pocket, even my card is just getting eaten. (laughs) (laughs) So over the years, I've put together some rules for myself on money so that I don't spend it all like a goldfish. And I'm going to share those with you today. So last week, we talked about mornings. Check out that episode if you haven't listened to it yet. But money is really important, in my opinion, to include in your morning routine. It allows you to go into the day understanding what you've got, what completely give you control over what you're spending, what you're spending on your lunch, what you're spending on your morning coffee, all that kind of stuff. So my first tip is check your bank balance first thing in the morning. I mean, I'm not saying wake up, check your bank balance, you're going to have a heart attack, it's going to be desperate. Well, and we've already spoken about not getting sucked into your phones too early in the morning. So on the way to work. On the way to work, just check in, 
you know, get your online Barclays account, get your Monzo, come on to that in a second, and just check in and know what you've got. Part of a huge part of money anxiety is putting your head in the sand, not understanding what you've got to play with. The second thing I would say is budget. It's really interesting. We don't actually budget that much. So mm. many of my employees and myself in my past, as soon as payday happens, by the fifth or sixth day of the month, I've spent it. And I'm not spending a budget. I'm not thinking four weeks in advance. No. I'm thinking, I really want that ASOS delivery to happen now. It's this instant gratification. And unfortunately, we don't get paid in the same way that we consume. So you've got to budget for your consumption. A really good thing to do is to create budgets around things that interest you. So if you know you're going to go to the pub or you're going to spend time with your friends drinking or eating or maybe you're going to go to yoga classes once a month or you really invest in your own well-being, set a budget aside for that so you know exactly what you're going to be spending on that particular part of your life. A really good way to do that is to get a Monzo account. Now, Monzo, you may have seen it flying around, but they're these amazingly bright orange cards, which are basically the same color as the Pantone color of the year. Hot coral. Hot coral. Um, and Monzo is a it's an app, but it's also a digitized bank. So it's much easier to put money in, take money out. You can divide money in your Monzo account into pots, so you can't touch it. So you can literally put a um, padlock on certain funds and open them up when you want to. That really helps me when I'm on a night out. I don't know about you, but mm. I'll be like, yeah, I'll get it. So you've got your budget for your going out budget. with friends, having a good time. Yeah. But your budget that's for like food and necessities and bills and stuff is not getting touched. Absolutely. It's really good. And the piece de resistance is it talks to you. It will send you a notification when you've just spent something or when they think you are about to spend something and say, hey, you've nearly spent your entertaining budget this month. Maybe you should reconsider that. All oh, that has been a game changer for mm. me because it just makes you think, oh, do I actually really need this? Probably not. Mm. So those are my three tips for you. Know what's in your bank account. Check it in the morning every day. Budget, really important. Set a budget for your week, set a budget for your month and set a budget for your year and get a Monzo account. It will literally change your life. Amazing. So, so, so good. Right. So uh, just following on from that, I'm going to talk about some books. Uh, there's a couple of books that I've been uh, kind of dabbling with. I'm not going to say I've read them because that would be a flat out lie. <laughs> <laughs> but much like uh, what Megan was saying, you know, I, I've had uh, my own kind of like issues and anxieties with money and kind of blockages with money. And I do really want to be open to mm. Um, allowing wealth into my life and also recognizing it when it does come and keeping it and managing it like you say with a budget rather than just spending it the same yeah. way you know like Megan said you can um, you can you it's it's quite easy not to spend money when you don't have it yeah. but it's so funny how quickly you can spend it when you do have it yeah and um, and then before you know it's gone again yeah um, so there's a, a couple of books. One is called uh, The Seven Stages of Money Maturity. Uh, 
subheading understanding the spirit and value of money in your life this is by george kinder i'm liking the sound of this one already. yeah it's really interesting um because well I, the bit that i've read so far is mostly um focusing on your childhood and how your childhood experiences like you said completely form and shape your relationship with money mm-hmm. and also as with so many other aspects of how our childhood affects our adult behavior you know it's really hard to recognize yeah and it's you know even harder to challenge and change because it's like literally ingrained in in us yeah so um we were going to go through some of the questions that they have in here uh you guys should play along at home yeah definitely play along because honestly when I first read this it was like I was the mind blown emoji oh my god I'm so excited these are, these were like things I had never thought of. Okay. So um, let's go, just go ahead. By the way, if you you know if you want to buy the book and and play along at home, um, <laughs> this is on page forty one in in the chapter about childhood. So it says this is the first question. What are your three earliest memories of money? Oh, deep and meaningful, guys. I'm showing you everything. <laughs> um, my first, shall I do one memory? Yeah, because honestly, it would take you, and they say in the book, you know, find a quiet space, sit down with a pen and paper and really reflect on this because mm. it, 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 it's it's crazy that some of the things that come up. I know for me, I started working age like two, basically, mm. because I was an only child of a single mother mm. and my mum made... Um, she made actually she actually I think was the first person to make all-in-one fursuits with ears on the oh, hood onesie. she invented the onesie with a tail absolutely love and that. she'd make these fake fur cat suits she called them in like tiger print and stuff and went and sold them at Camden and Portobello markets on the weekends and I was the sales assistant slash model of course you are and I literally so did it from the age two <laughs> until we were doing Tara Stella and still putting on the dresses and flogging that gear you know like my whole life was basically being like a sales I assistant to my mum's designs and um she used to let me count the cash that's amazing I love it <laughs> I literally love your mum um okay I know what the memory is shall I give it to you yeah it's a bit of a sad one hope my mum's not listening um basically I think I must have been about six years old um and Christmas I remember always being a little bit of a struggle yeah in terms of this insatiable desire for kids or whoever actually to just have loads of presents all the time um and I remember I really really wanted a Polly Pocket and oh my god loved them the pink shell one like Mm. the little portable one I really wanted it I didn't have any I was desperate and I must have said to my mum over and over please can I have this Polly Pocket and I didn't at the time realize that you know Polly Pocket was quite expensive I have no idea how much Polly Pocket was I mean I, I don't know how much it was but it's felt like a big deal yeah anyway a few days before Christmas the tree was up but the presents weren't um, under it yet. And in my childlike state, I went searching for presents and I found my dream. I found the pink Polly Pocket. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I found it, I found it. And my mum was so angry. And she said, you know, I can't afford to get you another present. Like that is your main present. I cannot afford to get you anything else. You've ruined Christmas. You know, I felt like 
there was this big you know she'd worked really hard to she was upset this. because there was there was going to be no element of surprise she had nothing else yeah. to surprise you with yes yeah, so she I wouldn't have been thinking the child. message she was giving was i not. can't afford christmas yes yeah. yeah pretty much that's what i just heard <laughs> loud and clear like mm, 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 mm. <laughs> that is my first memory so that is i think that's an interesting memory in terms of <sighs> i can't afford it I now would love, you know, a lot of the reason why I money as a driver is because I want to pay for my parents' mm. retirement. Because I can see the sacrifices that they've made for me. Yeah. And I want to give it back. That's money's a big thing. I think a lot of people can relate to that. Totally. I always hear like famous people, pop stars, things like that, always saying that, you know, when they got that first paycheck, they bought their parents a house. Yeah. And, you know, because they wanted to because of all the sacrifices they 100%. made for them, especially, like, you know, if they've paid for them to do music lessons and things like that. I mean, Mum, if you are listening, not really yet. Um... <laughs> I'm still working on it. Still working on it. But it's a driving force. It's a driving force. <laughs> okay, next one. Okay, um, there's loads of these, so, okay, so we'll be pick, here all day. If we go. I'm going to just one pick more. one more. Um, in fact, I'm going to throw some out so that the listeners can think about yeah. them, even if we're not necessarily answering them. Uh, like just off the, off the back of that, there's one that says, "What did your mother have to say about money? What did your father have to say about money? Mm. Uh, what were your family's stories around money? Were these stories told with an air of approval or disapproval?" That's really interesting because sometimes, um, especially if you're if you're growing up without a lot of money, mm. there's this narrative that um, there's some kind of like moral high ground that poor people have basically. Yeah. And I yeah. totally got that. I grew up on a, on a socialist feminist commune yeah. <laughs> that basically started out as a squat. <laughs> so it, like, it was like full on, you know, like people with money were the enemy basically. Yeah. Yeah. And um and so what does how how deep in my psyche is that and is that getting in my way of achieving wealth yeah mm. it's really interesting to just kind of consider those things anyway um and then it's got questions like what were your first money experiences with things like cars homes insurance stocks and bonds mm. lawyers brokers, financial planners, legal papers, banks. For many people, all these words are very triggering. Yeah. So yeah. it's like if you if you had a difficult experience in your early adulthood with those things, how does that then, you know, become a challenge for you going Massive. forward? Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, there's other ones like how, when and how did money first enter your relationship with your mother? So that's what you've yeah described when and how did money first enter your relationship with your father I was always very aware that my father had no money and couldn't give any support yeah um and you know that was something that I you know was was always aware of that my mum was this struggling single mother Mm. who had no other support and actually you just made me think if you guys are doing this at home and you can't really remember you know, there isn't a memory there or there isn't an instance, you'll probably have a sense. Yeah. If you can't remember it visually, you know, it was on this date and I was this old. Yeah. Your gut will always give you a sense. And don't discourage that because it's not necessarily a fact. 
that is that's there that's how it's manifesting now in your life yeah one thing that I remember my mum was a fierce feminist Mm -hmm. and really hard-working um but as I say you know was a single mother and I think had obviously an element of kind of uh resentment I guess about being in that position um I remember Mm -hmm. one of my early memories is saying to her oh I want to be a um Oh, I want to be rich, basically, or saying like I want a big house, or I want this, or whatever it was. The the summary was I want to be rich when I grow up, and you will never believe this came out of my mum's mouth because she's such an ardent feminist. But she must have been on one of those days where she wished she had another income in the household. Yeah, and she said, "Well, you'll have to marry a rich man." And but she's literally shivering in her grave right now <laughs> she, I mean she, yeah and and I remember saying to her no yeah I don't need to marry a rich man yeah to make those um to achieve those things yeah. uh and I, I I always think about the share quote where her mum said yeah isn't it something like isn't it about time you married a rich yeah. man and yeah, she yeah, said yeah. I am a rich man I or something rich like that <laughs> it's really interesting because we're both but yeah what I was just gonna say is actually I think what her point was relatively valid because if you want really really great wealth it's very realistic and there's no shame in thinking in the fact that if you also have a wealthy partner that that's going to be you know more achievable for you Mm. or not even wealthy like if you have a partner who has the same economic position as you Mm. you've just doubled your money yes yes I do think that's quite a that's a very black and white argument you Mm. know I think you can have um similar I think it's interesting to enter into a partnership that potentially so for example my partnership my partner is very open to receiving wealth Mm. whereas I because of my background and my home and you know have always been very nervous of Mm. receiving wealth although it has been a goal Mm. and actually even if you're with someone that doesn't necessarily on paper have wealth yeah being open to receiving wealth can be just as valuable as being in the same economic exactly yeah that's that's what I mean because it's not just about obviously like the bank balance yes but there are other character traits and qualities that come along with that like being ambitious and hardworking and dedicated and um generous and all these kind of things absolutely and I think the term wealth or money or you know we're going to talk about that towards the end well actually once we've gone through your second book which is amazing um but, you know, wealth, it's its really important to remember that wealth comes in multiple different forms. And, you know, prior to having actual currency, as in uh, coinage, people would swap shells prior to, to that, you know, and, and your wealth or your value was based on what you could trade. So it wasn't always yeah. based on this this currency of, of uh, this capitalist mm. uh, coin. Mm. Um, so that's a relatively new thing mm. in the scheme of everything yeah of course so it's interesting now that our entire especially for women yeah the value very very new yeah yeah so um on that topic uh well actually before I move on to the next book I'm just going to recap this one so it was called the seven stages of money maturity by George Kinder and um it's 
it's about helping you eliminate stress and anxiety around money through understanding your fe- the feelings that impact your mm. financial actions. Just before you move on to the next yeah. one, just want to say, Mum, if you are listening, <laughs> you taught me how to work really hard and I love you and don't get upset about the Polly Pocket thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> okay, so the next book is a workbook. Um, so it's like, a, a, you know, where it's got like, pages with big blank spaces on it asks you questions and you kind of write things out and sometimes it asks you to do drawings and things like that and it's called sex and money are dirty aren't they and (laughs) I think I assume it's specifically for um targeted at women Mm -hmm. because I feel like these are both topics that are very um that our society is very happy for men to be hungry for yeah and but but for women uh, certainly you know traditionally it's not seen uh, it's not celebrated as much when a woman is very openly ambitious when it comes to money and sex I agree but I uh, sorry I agree with the last sentence I disagree that this potentially is aimed at women yeah maybe it's not maybe it's for because, everyone oh my god sex and money a big, huge big yeah, part huge of masculinity big, oh know, yeah you know for for all the things you've just said about you know females being lambasted or whatever you want to call it for yeah. going after those things shoe on the other foot you've got to be brave you've got to yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got to earn and if money, you can't to... do those things your masculinity is really challenged absolutely so i think actually these two topics are e- equally, equally yeah, yeah, yeah. valid so on the front cover it has some questions much like um the ones that we just read from the other book that i will read out as well because they are just quite thought-provoking um, so it says, is your spending in keeping with your values? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do you equate having money with having control? Mm, yeah. How would more or less money have changed your past? Not at all. Mom. Do it at home, guys. <laughs> yeah, I, I would say a lot. What would you do if you had all the money you wanted? Oh, God, I think about that all the time, don't you? And what's the difference between money and wealth? So that's an yes. interesting... Actually, before we go on to that, I just want to discuss like the wider kind of, I guess, socio-political mm. um, context around this. Like, I think that for, as we were saying, like for women, there is an element of kind of shame yeah. um, around taking our power and taking our um really going for our goals when it comes to money yeah and that those are things that are kind of ancestral like if you want to look at it from like a woo-woo spiritual place which I always do yeah you know this is something that is like deep 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 seated in us as women Mm. like ancestrally Mm. is that uh, we we don't have decisions over money and we're not involved in those conversations Mm. Uh, you know this is going far back in history Mm. and then in more recent history you know that there's some kind of shame in in taking charge of those things Mm. you know and I think actually you've hit the nail on the head a little bit in terms of demystifying what each other's are earning and being much more open about talking about money and guys there's an amazing thing on refinery 29 that you need to read if you haven't it's written every week by jessica commons 
um, who's an amazing writer for Refinery29, and it's called Money Diaries. And basically it's these diaries of all these women, women like you and I, women that are in university, women that are just across the country, and they are just anonymous, and they are frank about what they do with their money. I could spend hours reading it. It is so interesting because you always assume you're worse off than anyone else. You're doing it wrong. You don't know what you're doing. You know, glass Mm. half empty vibes. Mm. And the more we talk about it, the less we're going to have a lack of control over it or the less we're going to deserve it. You know, the more we're open about it and say, hey, yeah, I want, I want to pay rise or I earn this much money. Great. Well done. It becomes less important. There's yeah. a huge amount of importance put on it. And quite rightly so, because, you know, I, I don't know the exact figures, but isn't it like 1% of the world have 50% of the wealth or something crazy like that? Mm. I think um, it might even be more than that. Like, So with all that in mind... We wanted to end on... Can I... Sorry, this is totally <laughs> non-rehearsed. Okay. But, I, like, I mean, we don't rehearse, guys. We're not yes. just like... And then I say, I mean, this is not on the our plan, so right. Megan has no idea what I'm about to say. Oh, God, but guys, don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> it's okay. Relinquish control. No, I... There's something that I wanted to add from my kind of, like, hippie woo-woo perspective, yeah. uh, which I... I forgot to bring up earlier when we were planning, which is feng shui, which I'm a massive, massive fan of. And um, in feng shui, there's a lot of, they talk about money a lot. It's funny. Mm. We so often can think that these kind of like Eastern traditions are very like kind of anti-money. But um, in feng shui, they call uh, energy is chi and money has a, money has a water energy. So it flows. So money likes to be moving. And it likes to not be stagnant. And so you, you, in feng shui, you want to keep like the air moving. You want to keep everything fresh and, and circulating and revolving. And so in that perspective, they would say like that there's no shame in spending money mm. because you need to keep it moving. It needs to go out just as readily as it comes mm. in, which is what money does. Yeah. And to not have too much anxiety around that as well. It's just like you said, setting budgets, mm. knowing, okay, yeah, I'm going to spend money on this. I'm going to spend money on that. I'm just mm. not going to spend beyond my means. Yes. And I'm going to make sure that I'm always keeping it coming, coming in. in. Yeah. And, um, so a, a couple of little tricks that you could do for um, feng shui to welcome some money chi in your life mm-hmm. is um, identify your money corner of your home, okay. which is the southeast corner. So you, most of us have got smartphones that have got a compass on, so you should be able to find that quite easily. Yeah. And uh, so often with feng shui, as soon as you see that, you realize what's wrong with that area. <laughs> And, and, you know, they talk in feng shui about having these like remedies and things where you like can put something there and that's going to help. But really what it boils down to is just keeping it tidy and clean and happy. So like when you're looking in that area, you're projecting like a positive energy there. So remind us what, what. So it's the Southeast corner of your home and um, it likes wood. So it's a great place to put like a money plant. And um, while I'm saying that, I've just got I've just got a Bagua map up, which is the feng shui map, and it's got a tree on it. <laughs> so that's why I'm saying it likes wood. I don't really remember that as like a thing that I learned. Mm-hmm. I know that one thing that is like a kind of trick is um, if you have a picture of a 
boat on water yeah to have that on the wall or on a thing and make sure that the boat is facing in towards your home and that is like if you want to talk about a a, a feng shui remedy mm. that's like a little trick okay. but otherwise just put things there that make you think of wealth that make you think of abundance yeah and and send it good energy and keep it tidy basically okay amazing we're <laughs> going to be doing that um okay we're running over slightly so we're going to wrap up quickly but we're going to end on gratitude and actually tara the feng shui little addition you've added in there has made me think about gratitude in a different way and relating to the flow of wealth I'm really grateful I paid my tax return today. Well done. And I sent away a massive chunk of money mm. and I'm really happy about it. Yeah, well, and that, it, that's a nice perspective to look at it like that because especially as freelancers or, or business owners, you know, we can get really like, oh, tax return, I've just had to pay this much money. Yeah. But of course, it is a percentage of your earnings. Exactly. So it's a reminder, however big that sum seems, it's a reminder that the money you received is... Yeah. However many times bigger. Yeah. And it's going out. So I'm grateful for that. Exactly. You got you can pay it. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, we love you and we'll see you next week. See ya.